wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, September 26th, 2019. I am Graham Giesa Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And quite the week we have ahead of us with AEW arriving on TNT in seven more nights. Six more nights, actually. I'm recording this on Wednesday. It's going up on Thursday. We are six days out from when this goes live that AEW arrives on TNT, which is pretty crazy. Um, it's been a long road for them. They announced the company the onset of 2019. They had their premier pay-per-view, which I was in attendance for, in Las Vegas over Memorial Day weekend. They've had some great shows since then from Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen, All Out, and now they arrive on TNT in six more nights. And I could not be any more excited. Now, the issue remains, as I said last week here on the show, what do we do with WrestleRant Radio? Um, nowadays, I usually record the show on Wednesday afternoons before it goes live at midnight on Thursdays, but I might just have to suck it up and start recording it on Thursday mornings just so I could start reviewing NXT and AEW on the weekly. Um, usually I don't talk about NXT too much here on the show aside from the takeovers, but that's because before the show wasn't all that newsworthy. But after last week's amazing debut episode in USA, I might have to change that. I know this is going up after the second episode has already aired on USA, but the first show, as of this recording, that's the only show in the book so far, uh, in the books as of right now, as of this recording, and it was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had an all-new NXT North American champion crowned in Roderick Strong. The entire Undisputed Era is now draped in gold. As Adam Cole once said, at the onset of 2019, what happened, and now it's finally become a reality, which is really cool. Um, they had a great main event between Matt Riddle and Killian Dane street fight with the winner uh, of this rematch that happened already, but coming up as they record this. Again, it's confusing recording on Wednesdays. I might have to stop that starting next week. Um, but that will determine Adam Cole's next challenger for the NXT Championship. We had a special appearance by the WWE United Kingdom champion Walter um, getting in a face-to-face confrontation with Kushida, probably setting up a future one-on-one match. I know they had a six-man tag team match, I think, on this week's show with Walter and Imperium. I think Marcel, and Bar- Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner facing Kushida and two mystery partners of his. Um, that happened this week. And then also on the premiere episode, we had the return of Leo Rush, who came back and beat Oni Larkin to become the new number one contender to the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. So great to see Leo Rush back. Um, he's been gone now, I believe... Since the night after WrestleMania, the only reason why I know that was because I was at that show. Um, I don't think he said anything that night. He was at WrestleMania with Bobby Lashley when Lashley lost the Intercontinental Championship to Finn Balor. Um, Bobby Lashley brutalized Dean Ambrose the night after WrestleMania. Lashley, or rather Leo Rush, didn't do anything, but he was there. And then I think he was gone for all the very next week, so he has not been seen since up until last week. And appears now he's back on 205 Live slash NXT, whatever, which is great. Um, I think that's the perfect spot for him. 
But um, yeah, I'm very happy to see NXT thriving on USA Network. I don't know what the rating was for the second episode that aired this week, but as of this recording, I do know the rating for the first episode, which garnered 1.1 million viewers. And I expected it to do well. Not that well, though. Now, granted, I do take that with a grain of salt because it was the premiere episode. They have AEW going head-to-head of them starting next week. What will people watch first? Personally, I know I'm watching AEW next week. NXT is a loaded show. Candice LeRae versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. The Undisputed Era versus the Street Profits for the NXT Tag Team titles. They're really loading up that show. They have probably already announced even more than that um, on this week's show coming up for October 2nd. So I I don't want to get too optimistic regarding the future of NXT. I know it will do well creatively. The show will continue to kick ass. I have no doubt about that. Rating-wise, though, I don't think they will continue to bring in over a million viewers every single week. And you have to consider something here, too. That's really impressive when you think about Raw and SmackDown are really only doing around 2 million viewers. They are. Um, At one point, 3 million viewers was like their minimum, but that has long since changed. That has not been the case in a long time. They would be lucky. They would be lucky on a good night to have, on average, 3 million viewers. They might get that in the first hour of Raw if a Stone Cold Steve Austin is on or something along those lines. But beyond that, they are really bringing in around 2 million, you know, uh, maybe a little less than that on certain occasions, which, you know, sucks because the show has gotten better and the ratings are always reflective of the quality of the product. You can't always point back in history and say, oh, the ratings sucked at that point. That means the show sucked. That's not always necessarily the case. Um, but everything is being affected by social media, DVR, you know, everything else going on in the world right now. But a lot of shows have not seen the ratings plummet the same way that Raw and SmackDown have. So hopefully they can get control of that. But back on NXT, I thought it was a great show. I'm not going to do a full-on review just because by this point, it would have been outdated, which is why, again, starting next week, I'll likely start recording WrestleRant Radio on Thursdays. I probably should do that anyway because this is a Thursday show. But I like to get it done early um, just to free up my Thursdays. I might just have to suck it up and start recording on Thursdays so I can give my thoughts on NXT and AEW. Now, the issue remains, once again, what do I do about SmackDown? Do I do a whole other show on Saturdays? Do I move the show altogether to Saturdays? I don't like that just because, you know, Saturdays they have takeover. They have pay-per-views on Sundays, so I feel like it's a quick turnaround time to put up a uh, podcast on Saturday mornings. Don't always have the time on Saturdays, so um, I like the show right where it's at on Thursdays. I did say this this week on Hashtag Ask GSM. I have contemplated moving the Q&A video to Tuesdays, so we can have Mondays Raw, Tuesday Hashtag Ask GSM, Wednesday NXT and AEW and NXT UK, if you want to count that, which I do watch weekly and I enjoy, but not a lot of people do. Thursdays, WrestleRant Radio, Friday SmackDown, and then Saturdays, nothing, and then uh, Saturdays are Saturdays, and then... Sundays are the monthly pay-per-view, so that's likely the schedule that it will be coming up, Um, just recording the show on Thursdays. It will be up a little later than usual on Thursdays, which I don't love. I like getting it up early and getting it over with, but if it has to go up later on Thursdays just so I can review NXT and AEW, that's fine by me. I might not be able to cover SmackDown. I might do a separate review audio-wise on Saturdays. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure yet. We'll figure that out as it comes along. But uh, as of right now, it's a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Lots to talk about between Raw SmackDown. A lot of improvements being made on the programming, I think. the Both both shows, I believe, 
have been uh, significantly better for the past two months, maybe, I would say, about two months. It's not, you know, astronomically better, but it is significantly improved from where the shows were even in early July, late June, when they really weren't all that good. Um, A lot of the shows were pretty abysmal from week to week, but I'm glad to say that it's since changed for the most part. Now, we do have Hell in the Cell next Sunday. SmackDown moves to Fox next Friday, and next Wednesday, AEW debuts. So as far as next week's show goes, I'm going to try to record this on Thursday, review the premiere episode of AEW on TNT, as well as NXT and Raw, and give my predictions for SmackDown on Fox that Friday, which will feature Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Talked a bit about that last week. And then my predictions as well for Hell in a Cell that Sunday. So again, uh, going forward, we might do some sort of audio extra, either on the YouTube channel or... I'm not sure. Maybe Saturdays will be my SmackDown review day. Saturday SmackDown reviews on YouTube. Maybe not necessarily here on the podcast, because by that point, it will be old news, but I will preview SmackDown. We'll see. I like Russell Rant Radio as being on Thursdays, just because it gives me an ample amount of time after Raw, before Raw, before pay-per-views, after pay-per-views, uh, which are all really the key programming at the end of the day to break all that down. So nonetheless, guys, like I said earlier, this is Russell Rant Radio. If you want to check out the show on the weekly, you can do so on every podcast platform available, including, but not limited to, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, NextAirWrestling.net, Google Play. We're all over the place, baby. So subscribe today, rate the show, review the show, and check out every archived episode of the show dating back to its debut almost exactly six years ago in October of 2013. As for me, you can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook as well, facebook.com backslash Graham uh, dot GSM dot Matthews, as well as on YouTube as well, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Uh, content going up on the daily there as well. So as far as today's WrestleRant radio goes, let's get into Monday's Raw real quick. Not real quick, there's a lot to break down from the Monday show before we get into the final SmackDown Live on USA Network from this past Tuesday, before we head into the Fox era of SmackDown next Friday. And I've seen a lot of reports regarding a lot of different things that starting next week, regard, you know, largely from at WrestleVotes, which again, like I said last week, is a Twitter account to kind of read with a grain of salt, take it with a grain of salt just because... You know, a lot of these are just rumors at the end of the day. Not, you know, it's not set in stone. It's all rumors. You know, they've gotten a lot of things wrong before, too. Not everything this guy says is the gospel truth. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. But he did report this past week that WWE is planning on bringing back Pyro, which is a very exciting news. Um, I think Pyro has largely been gone from WWE. Three years now? It's weird because I think they got rid of it around the time the brand split came back. Because I know I've seen AJ Styles' entrances before where he had Pyro. And then they got rid of it altogether. Um, Again, I think in the summer of 2016, if not soon after. But we do have it back, apparently. Um, Again, I guess we'll find out next week on Raw and on SmackDown. I don't think the new era of Raw will really begin until the week after the draft, until the 14th when we finally get, you know, a new roster, a set-in-stone roster for both brands. So I'm looking forward to next week's show, but they have a lot on tap. We'll get into this week's show in a moment. Um, But they are, you know, currently advertising an episode of Miz TV featuring The Miz, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair. Um, Hulk Hogan was noticeably booed during the uh, announcement that he would be on the show 
uh, when they when the Street Profits said in a backstage segment this week on Raw, which was interesting. They were in San Francisco. I'm I'm not surprised there was still backlash over the comments that Hogan made years ago. But you know, San Fran of all cities, that was weird. That or San Francisco, Sacramento, one of the cities in California. Considering I think he has spent a lot of time in in California, I thought that was surprising. Venice Beach, isn't that where he's built from? Venice Beach, California. Anyway, I know he's from Florida though, and he spends a lot of time in Florida. My, uh, my parents were actually there recently. Quick side story. They were in Florida this past week, Clearwater to be exact, and they saw Hulk Hogan's old house across the water from the beach they were at, and then they went to Hogan's Beach Shop on like the, the boardwalk over there or whatever it is, and they got me a cool mug and a t-shirt, which is pretty cool, but uh, yeah, Hulk Hogan residing in Clearwater, I'm pretty sure. He's there most of the time from what I was told, but anyway. Yeah, so Hulk Hogan will be on Monday. Uh, we'll be on Raw this Monday in addition to Ric Flair, so apparently... Whatever issues Ric Flair had with WWE over the copyright of the man nickname has been settled because he's been on TV quite a bit recently between this and the recent SmackDown appearance um, with that rapper that appeared on the show about a week ago. So that's coming up Monday on Raw. We also have Brock Lesnar making an appearance before he vies for the WWE Championship that Friday on SmackDown. Uh, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman will be present on the show. And I believe we're also getting Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss. Settling their score. I know there's been a lot of talk over the uh, recent spot where Sasha Banks kicked Alexa Bliss in the gut during the recent tag team match on Raw. I didn't really think anything of it, to be honest with you, because Sasha Banks is a heel at the end of the day. I know they've had their personal animosity in the past, but I can't imagine she was uh, you know, being stiff with her or it was a shoot or whatever. I imagine that was part of the show. But anyway, um, there's that. I believe there's one other... Oh, the Universal Championship. How could I forget? Seth Rollins will be facing Rey Mysterio for the Universal Championship this Monday on Raw before he faces Bray Wyatt the Fiend for the Universal Championship that Sunday at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which has gotten very little hype so far. There are not many matches announced as of this recording for the pay-per-view on Sunday. In fact, on SmackDown, which I'll get to momentarily, um, they set in stone Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon in a ladder match where if Kevin Owens wins, he gets his job back and Shane gets fired. And if Shane wins, Kevin Owens remains fired, so... It's pretty obvious who we know is winning that one. Um, I figured that would be an addition to the Hell in a Cell card. I thought it was a little weird. I'm thinking, okay, they already had two Hell in a Cell matches. Why would they add a ladder match? Come to find out, it will actually go down on the premiere of SmackDown on Fox starting next Friday. So the match is happening on free TV, not on the pay-per-view. And as of right now, only three matches are being advertised for the pay-per-view next weekend, including Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch in a Hell in a Cell match for the Raw Women's Championship. We have The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus the Universal Champion Seth Rollins for his title inside Hell in a Cell. And then Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. So, I mean, all three matches should be good. I have no doubt about that. But I'm very surprised that more matches have yet to be announced for the show. They're way too focused on this draft. The smack, the move on Fox, NXT, and everything else to really focus and promote this pay-per-view properly. But maybe, I'm sure more matches will be announced between now and then. But anyway... Raw this week I thought was a good show, good setup show for next week's big show and Hell in the Cell next Sunday. We kicked off the show with Seth Rollins talking about The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Braun Strowman came out demanding a match, saying that Seth Rollins said something along the lines that, you know, Rollins wanted to face him again or didn't want to face him again or something like that. And Roman, or rather Braun, kind of twisted his words and it somehow turned into a uh, main event match between the two at little later on in the night, solid segment. 
We then had the Viking Raiders take on the OCs, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson, who now have new entrance music, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't think there was anything wrong with their old song, but it's cool to see they have their own they have their own music as the OC. Um, but yeah, very good match. The crowd started out quiet, but I thought it turned into a very fun match down the stretch, and the Viking Raiders went over. And it should be noted that the Viking Raiders have yet to be defeated in WWE. They have lost, you know, six-man tag team matches before. They lost the six-man tag team match with Cedric Alexander last week on Raw. Um, but they have yet to lose and straight-up two-on-two tag team action by pinfall. Um, that includes their time in NXT, too, because remember, they never formally dropped the NXT tag team titles. They were um, relieved of them, and they vacated them before the Street Profits won them in that ladder match at TakeOver 25 a couple months ago. So uh, they have yet to be beaten. I'm glad they weren't beaten here, and they are well on their way to Raw tag team title contention. I'm sure they are the team being primed to take those titles from uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler before long, assuming they stay on the Raw brand. Um, I guess they could always go to SmackDown and face the Revival for the SmackDown tag team titles, but I think it's more likely they remain on Raw and they win the tag titles there against, uh, against Roode and Ziggler before they go their separate ways eventually. But good match there, I thought. They then had Michael Cole do a sit-down interview with uh, the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. Pretty standard, straightforward sit-down interview. I thought this was good. Um, a good way to further the feud between Becky Lynch and Sasha. Becky talked quite a bit about her upcoming clash with Sasha inside Hell in the Cell and the bad blood between the two. I, I like these sit-down segments. They did another one on SmackDown with Kofi Kingston. I think they're very effective. And honestly, they can be even more effective sometimes than the in-ring promos, which can be good depending on who you are and what your material is that you're given to work with. But a lot of the times when these sit-down interviews happen, they seem to be more, you know, intimate and informative and just um, interesting and compelling than the actual in-ring promos, which I think is interesting as well. Um, they just, I don't know, the way they're delivered and formatted and presented, I think is just great. And I'm a big fan of them. I thought this one came off really well with Michael Cole and Becky Lynch. Uh, we then had a Rusev squash beating up on EC3. Uh, he made quick work of EC3. And, uh, I mean, I'm glad Rusev is back on the show. I mean, this... Mer- the, the weird thing is, is that we had no real follow-up with the Baby Daddy storyline with Maria Kanellis and Mike Kanellis, which I'm fine with because, you know, it's, it's fucking dumb. I'm glad the Kanellis couple's on the show. But this whole nonsense over who's the dad and all this other shit they're bringing in the Maury show, I would not be surprised if he was on Raw next week. Um, Maury Povich, either on Raw next week or the week after, to host an episode of like what we saw a couple years ago with the Bella Twins and Jerry Springer when he hosted the Jerry Springer show on Raw, which was absolutely awful. Um, the show that he did on the WWE Network called Too Hot for TV I thought was great. His actual in-ring segment, though, on the show with the Bella Twins was downright deplorable. And I'm sure the Maury show on Raw would be no different. But I'm glad Rusev is back on Raw, WWE TV just in general. The issue is, what the fuck are they doing with EC3? What a fucking waste of his talent. Um, they, you know, the issue is, is that you hear people say, oh, they buried Cedric Alexander. They did not bury Cedric Alexander. One of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I know they had him get, you know, defeated decisively at the pay-per-view, then again on Raw the next night, which wasn't a very, you know, promising sign of his future. That doesn't mean he was buried, okay? Um... EC3 has been buried. He is the fucking definition definition of the word buried, if you look it up, in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, all right? EC3 has been buried since the first day that he showed up on the main roster. 
when he was looking at himself in the mirror backstage and spraying himself, looking like a fucking idiot. They never gave this guy a chance. Not a single chance. Yeah, he owns a victory over Dean Ambrose on Raw. I don't think he's won a match on the show since. Aside from winning the 24-7 title, which barely counts a couple months ago and winning another three times over the weekend, the guy is still a perennial loser in this company. So he better, he better hope, he better cross his fingers that WWE either drafts him back to NXT or that this draft gives him some renewed opportunities because so far he has been buried beyond belief in WWE. And it's sad to see because the guy is really talented. And some people may not agree. Oh, you know, he looks like a fucking action figure. You know what? To a certain extent, I agree. But on the mic, the guy is great. He's very much capable of holding his own in the ring. He can be a good character if you promote him uh, properly. And NXT had the right idea with him. Granted, he didn't really go anywhere in NXT. He didn't really do much. He failed to win the NXT North American Championship back at TakeOver New Orleans. He lost the feud with Velveteen Dream. He lost the feud with Adam Cole. He lost the feud with uh, Lars Sullivan. He didn't really do a hell of a whole lot in NXT. But at least he was being used well there. Um, He had a pretty good run all things considered, far better than whatever he's doing now on Raw, the guy's been buried six feet under. Fucking do something with the guy. That's all I ask. So hopefully he either gets drafted a SmackDown in the draft, or I I don't know. I feel like if Paul Heyman was really an EC3 guy, like Cedric is and Robert Roode, which is great, then he would have been used by now. But he has been doing next to nothing since he showed up in the main roster at the onset of 2019. He's been sitting and catering for the most part or losing on main event. I don't know whose coffee he peed in when he debuted on the main roster. I don't know whose parking spot he took, but he better hope, like I said, that this draft brings him either back to NXT or gives him new opportunities on whatever brand he shows up on, whatever brand he's assigned to. Because so far, his WWE return run has been an absolute bust. And it's sad to see because the guy has a lot of potential. Anyway, moving on in my Raw review here, Sasha Banks did knock off Nikki Cross in one-on-one action. The outcome was never in doubt, which is why I was surprised they gave this so much time, but that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to complain about a good match. They worked well together. Nikki Cross was made to look very credible in defeat, especially after interference from Bayley and and Alexa Bliss. Um, I thought this was a very good match, a quality contest for the first ever one-on-one outing between the two, and Sasha Banks went over. So good stuff here. I assume Banks and... Uh, Bailey will get their shot at the tag team titles at some point. Probably won't be next week, because like I said earlier, they're already advertising Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss to go one-on-one next week on Raw before um, Banks and Bailey face Charlotte and Becky in a rematch from the Raw at MSG a couple weeks ago on SmackDown that Friday. So, And then Sunday's obviously Hell in a Cell. So they should be owed a tag team title rematch or a tag team title shot at some point. They did beat the current champions last week on Raw. But I assume because the Kabuki Warriors picked up a win this week on SmackDown, they'll be the ones getting the title shot. This division is such a fucking mess, it's unbelievable, but that's, I guess, how they do things. Um, Anyway, so it's like the team that is at least worthy, despite the fact they have not been on TV in months, although they pick up one win, are are apparently getting a title shot, even though there's a team that has already beaten the current champions in non-title action, they are not getting a title shot. At least not at the pay-per-view, but anyway... Um, Lacey Evans beat Ember Moon. Now, the match was okay. Lacey Evans is not terrible. I actually like Lacey Evans. I do. I think she's a great character. Her in-ring work, her in-ring work needs work, um, for lack of a better term. She, there, there is some room for improvement there, um, I should say. But, uh, 
still, Ember Moon losing to Lacey Evans, not a great sign for her either. Um, she was just at SummerSlam like a fucking month and a half ago going for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And she's already back at square one losing to fucking Lacey Evans on Raw. Not good. Not good. Carmella finally pinned R-Truth to win the 24-7 championship. So um, they were in the ring, surrounded by all the usual losers, by all the normal suspects. And then Carmella says, listen, Truth, we've been running from these guys for months. You know, I I can't keep it up anymore. The lifestyle's too hectic for me. Blah, 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 blah. Sounded like Sasha Banks there for a moment. And then she pinned R-Truth out of nowhere to become the new 24-7 champion. And uh, then she ran off, and R-Truth accompanied her as they as exited the arena. So um, apparently R-Truth is none too bothered with Carmella beating him for the title, although he's already like a fucking 19-time champion. <laughs> no shit, he is actually like a 19-timer. I lost track, but he won and lost the title another like three or so times on their recent uh, live event loop in Hawaii over the weekend. So he lost it and won it like two or three more times after they did the EC3 title change about a week ago. So yeah, um, R-Truth is a, uh, has won the championship more than Ric Flair and John Cena have won their world championships. And that was over the course of how many years? A decade or two, two decades. R-Truth won 19 24-7 titles within this past four months. Amazing. But yeah, Carmella is the new 24-7 champion. I assume this would have happened at some point. I figured it would have, uh, you know, led to the split between Carmella and R-Truth decisively. But apparently not. Apparently R-Truth, because he's so crazy, and Alexis was asking me, she was asking me the other day, Alexis asks, why is R-Truth still with her? She beat him for his title. And I'm like, well, he's a fucking nut job. He doesn't, I guess he doesn't care. I guess he doesn't really realize that, so... Already, he's back to supporting her and helping her defend that championship. So, that's our truth for you. Um, anyway, Chad Gable and King Corbin, which he's officially going by now, faced off in a rematch from the finals of last week's King of the Ring tournament. This was a great match. The crowd really wasn't all that into it early on, but they came around. Uh, they got into the action. They were very much behind Gable. They so fucking badly wanted this guy to beat Corbin. And, uh, you know, there really wasn't anything on the line for a match that didn't have any stakes, that didn't really mean anything. The crowd was hot for Corbin down the stretch. I really like this. I thought the finals of the King of the Ring were better, but this was still really, really good stuff. So uh, Corbin gets himself intentionally disqualified, knocking down Gable with the scepter. So he is still wearing the cape, the crown, the scepter, which I fucking hate. He incorporated some uh, King music into his theme song, his usual end of days theme song. Which is honestly, admittedly, kind of cool. I thought that was well done. Uh, Not nearly as bad as the uh, mixing, mashing of the theme songs of uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville on SmackDown this week. How fucking terrible is that? That's so lazy. If you want to do a tag team, give them their own entrance music. Give them their own customized entrance theme. To just mash the theme songs is so lazy. It's fucking lazy. Anyway, I'd rather just have them come out to one of their songs and not, you know, mashing their respective songs. It just seems like a waste. Like, they're not doing that with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They'll have Nikki Cross come out first, and then they'll walk to the ring, uh, you know, to Alexa Bliss's music. That makes more sense. To mash the music up, it just it just seems lazy to me. But anyway, um, it's a poor attempt. Uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, though, about King Corbin, I'm not a fan of the cape and the crown shit. You know, I think it looks good on him. Um, I just think it's too hokey. 
They are calling him King Corbin the same way they called Sheamus King Sheamus, and they called um, Barrett, Wade Barrett, King Barrett for a while, uh, which was just fucking stupid. Um, I'd rather they just go by their normal name and just call themselves the King of the Ring. Like, I don't think Kent Shamrock was walking around with the, the cape and the crown 20 years ago, was he? Or Stone Cold Steve Austin? I know Booker T did, but that was a different story. Um, King Corbin, eh, whatever. But it has a nice ring to it, if nothing else. Um, but if they continue to book him the same way, like I said in an article for Daily DDT over the weekend, I am all on board, which I never thought I would be, but I am now. I am all on board with King Corbin. If he can continue to be booked as strongly as he has been for the past month or so. And when I say book strong, I don't mean, oh, beating all these top guys. Like, he has beaten a lot of people in the past month, but it's all been in clean fashion, which I think is great. Um, that's really what I want to see out of, out of Corbin. See him, you know, uh, in there having good matches with people likely smaller than him because he appears to have his best matches. He he appears to have his best matches with people like Chad Gable and Cedric Alexander and even The Miz, who isn't a small guy but he's smaller than Corbin. So they had a good match. Um, but this was great. I'm glad Gable technically won. He won by disqualification. But the feud will continue, and I would love to see a rematch at the Hell in a Cell pay per view next Sunday. I think that'd be great. Uh, we also had a fatal five-way match. I mentioned earlier it will be Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio next weekend Raw for the Universal Championship. Uh, that match came about after Rey Mysterio knocked off four other Raw superstars, or, I mean, technically Shinsuke Nakamura is not a Raw superstar, four other superstars, I should say, to earn that opportunity to face Rollins next weekend Raw in a fatal five-way elimination match. And this was great. I really enjoyed the match. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura first beat Ricochet, so he eliminated him. Nakamura got eliminated by AJ Styles. AJ Styles got eliminated by Robert Roode. And then Roode was lastly eliminated by Rey Mysterio, who ended up winning it all. So I thought the match was great. Really, really entertaining stuff. And uh, Rey Mysterio, I like what they're doing with him. You know, people were saying, oh, he's being buried a couple months ago, which, I mean, he kind of was. He came back after a month gone and got beat um, his first night back in under a minute by Bobby Lashley, which was weird because Bobby Lashley, I know he got hurt, so he hasn't been seen since. It's kind of a waste um, in retrospect, but they've been building him back up nicely. He beat Graham Metallic two weeks ago on Raw. He beat Cesaro last week on Raw, and now he's the new number one contender to the Universal Championship. Now, he's obviously not winning, and they could very well have the Fiend interfere in that match um, as he has the past two weeks at the end of Raw, but um, I hope they give us a clean finish because if they give us the non-finish, then hopefully they could set up Rey Mysterio as a rematch as a uh, future contender to whoever walks out of Hell in the Cell, the Universal Champion. Um, I think that'd be great. Because Rey Mysterio is, you know, he's still very much capable. Even in the twilight of his career, he is still very much capable of having great matches. He showed that in Lucha Underground. He showed it on, you know, during a SmackDown run. He showed it in New Japan. And he's showing it now on Raw, which is really cool. So I thought this was a great match. And for the first time ever, Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio, one-on-one, next week on Raw. Super ready for it, super pumped for it, super psyched for it. Should be great. Then we had our main event of the night with Seth Rollins battling Braun Strowman in a rematch from Clash of Champions. Not as good of a match as the Clash of Champions match, um, but this was still pretty good. I thought they worked a pretty good pace, and uh, Rollins always sells really, really well for Strowman's offense, so I thought that part of this was good as well. Um, It predictably ended, not in a bad way. Um, You know, predictability isn't always a bad thing, but this did end in obvious fashion with uh, Bray Wyatt interfering, the lights going out, or the lights going out, then Bray Wyatt interfering, as the Fiend laying out Braun Strowman with the Immanable Claw. 
I think he tackled him first, or maybe he hit, I don't know. I, I don't think he did Sister Abigail, but he did lay out Strowman with a mandible claw twice before taunting Rollins as the show went off the air. I thought that was great. But uh, yeah, a lot of history there between Wyatt and Strowman. To answer what people have been asking, no, I don't want to see Strowman added to the Universal Championship match at the pay-per-view. The guy's a fucking loser. I talked about it last week, how he is currently WWE's biggest loser, um, literally and figuratively, in the sense that he has gotten six or seven different title shots. Six, I believe. In the past two years, it has lost every fucking time. He can never win when it matters most. For a guy with as many accolades as Strowman has as a two-time Raw Tag Team Champion, former Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner, uh, greatest Royal Rumble winner, whatever the fuck that means, uh, Mr. Money in the Bank, he's accomplished very little in WWE. Uh, The Battle Royal wins went nowhere. The Money in the Bank cash-in was uh, failed. It was a failure. And his two tag team title runs were short-lived. The second one lasted all of a month, if that. And the first one lasted all of a day when he won it with Nicholas at WrestleMania 34. So again, um, I have no desire to see Braun Strowman in the main event of uh, Hell in the Cell with Rollins and Wyatt. I have no, no desire at all to see him in the main event of the Raw you know, uh, Universal Championship picture whatsoever. He might benefit. He might be one of those guys that benefits from moving over to SmackDown. Because he's gone for the Universal title so many times now, he might as well move over to the blue brand. He might as well, right? Um, So, that being said, uh, I don't know. I just really, Strowman as a main eventer, I guess you could always do Strowman and Wyatt at some point. But if he's already lost decisively to Rollins, why wouldn't he lose decisively to Bray Wyatt? You know? I, I just can't see him as a legitimate threat to the, you know, the Fiend or even the Universal Championship in general. But uh, this was, a, I thought, a good way to close off the show, hyping up Rollins and The Fiend for Hell in a Cell and keeping Bray Wyatt strong in the process. Uh, we also got another new video package, not at the end of the show, but during the show, I forgot to mention this. Under, another new sit-down interview of sorts, uh, a focus, a spotlight on AOP, who uh, went out into the hallway during their interview and just beat up two losers. I think it was Heath Slater and No Way Jose before sitting back down and saying, we are AOP and we're coming. So I assume WWE is holding off on having them return to the ring until after the draft. Um, I would put them on SmackDown. I would personally put them on SmackDown. I think they can have some good matches over there. I would keep the Viking Raiders on Raw and put AOP on SmackDown. They can have some matches with Heavy Machinery. Um, And whoever else ends up on the SmackDown brand, maybe the New Day or the Revival, I don't know. But yeah, I'd put AOP on SmackDown. Raw, I thought on the whole, was a very... Enjoyable show as it has been for the past couple weeks. I thought it was a very good show. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this new era brings for the flagship show. Now, I say flagship show, but it was also reported by at WrestleVotes. And again, take this with a grain of salt that SmackDown will be the new A show of WWE starting next week when it arrives on Fox. And that this week would be the last time that WWE views Raw as the flagship show. Now, There's a lot of stuff they've been reporting that I want to believe, that I'm very excited for. I'd be very surprised if they reported, hey, Pyro's coming back, and then it doesn't. That seems very specific, uh, uh, you know, to be something, for that to be something to promise people and then not deliver, you know? Um, I think that's very strange. But uh, Bray Wyatt, there were also reports from that same exact Twitter account that, um, that SmackDown, that Fox execs, they want... 
Bray Wyatt, they want The Fiend on the blue brand. They want him on SmackDown, which, I mean, I'm not surprised, but they also reported that, hey, Raw is very likely going to keep him. Uh, Paul Heyman is very high on Wyatt, as he should be. The guy's a star. He probably has a lot to do with his ascent in the last couple of months. Um, I think he's a way better fit on Raw. He should become Universal Champion next Sunday. And if he does, he will obviously remain on the Raw brand. But again, from that same Twitter account, there were rumors. Um, They were tweeting out, reporting that SmackDown will be the new A-show starting next week. And as I've said to other people, I'll believe it when I see it. Just because I've heard this same story so many times before. But, oh, SmackDown's moving here. SmackDown's moving to a new night. SmackDown's moving to a new time. New network, blah, 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 blah. That it's going to be taken more seriously. They're going to treat it as the A-show. They're going to have all the star power. Here we go. We're going to load up SmackDown. And nothing ever fucking changes. Nothing. The only time they came close to being the new flagship show of WWE was in 2016. Ironically, when they got the shorter end of the stick in the WWE draft. When they brought back the brand extension, okay? Um, The show obviously had the weaker roster. Everyone was saying that coming out of the draft. But I think there was a lot of people, myself included, who said, hey, listen, I'm Team SmackDown here. I'm Team SmackDown, I think. While they don't have the stronger roster right now, the building blocks are there. They have Dean Ambrose. They have John Cena when he's around. They have Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, AJ fucking Styles. The building blocks are there for them to have a great, great show. And just wait and see. And we did, and the show became amazing. You know, it fell off a little bit after WrestleMania 33 when Jinder was champion. That was a very dark period for SmackDown. It's a lot better now. But I don't think they have yet to really reach those same heights they were at back in late 2016, early 2017. I was so stoked for every episode of SmackDown um, because the show was so great. I don't know who was writing the show at the time or what the hell was going on. Whatever was in the water on Tuesdays at that point in time, it was working because the show was awesome. Then again, though, WWE never tried to treat SmackDown at that point in time as the A-show. It was always Raw. It was always going to be Raw. It always will be Raw. So none of the shit where, you know, Raw is going to take a backseat to SmackDown. Yeah, maybe for a week or two. No matter what, though, as long as Vince McMahon is around, Raw will forever be his baby. He'll get excited about SmackDown. Oh, new toy. Oh, we're going to Fox on Fridays. Oh, and then he'll forget all about it by fucking November. So none of the shit where people are saying, oh, I think it's going to become the new A-show. Here we go. We're going to load it up with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, when he's around once every three months. And I think it's great. Brock is going to SmackDown. Don't get me wrong. But they'll load up the show with all this star power. Remember 2008 when they knew they were going to My Network TV 9? I think it was My Network TV 9. They made a big deal about the move. They had this huge, you know, tri-branded show and their first show on that new network. They moved Triple H over to SmackDown. They had The Undertaker. They had The Big Show, Jeff Hardy, Edge. They had a lot of star power on SmackDown. Back from, I mean, they always have, but from 08 to 09 specifically, they really tried to load up that roster with as many names as possible because they wanted SmackDown to be taken seriously on its new network and then they forgot all about it again, all, you know, by 2009. And again, because they forgot about it by 09, it started to become the better brand with stuff like CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy or Chris Jericho versus Rey Mysterio. Those two feuds were happening simultaneously in 2009. Um, Edge and Jeff Hardy were feuding as well. Edge was doing some cool stuff with Jericho for a little while. Um, you know, he and CM Punk, CM Punk was killing it over on SmackDown. There was a lot of cool stuff going on on SmackDown at that point in time that a lot of people 
don't really remember because W or don't really talk about as much because WWE was treating Raw like the A show, as they always have been. I don't think the Fox move will do much to change that. I know Fox is a bigger network than any other network they've ever been on before. I realize that. But Raw has been, a lo- has been around a lot longer. It will forever be Vince McMahon's baby. I don't care what anyone says. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens when they move to Fridays. It should be a great show. Don't get me wrong. They are currently advertising, like I said earlier, Kofi and Brock. The four horsewomen tag team match. They're advertising Hulk Hogan's going to be there, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Goldberg, Trish, you name them. They'll be there, Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon ladder match. It's going to be a big show, but how long will that last? I'm glad they're doing the draft. I'm glad they're doing, you know, the roster separation again. I think that's awesome. I think that's tremendous. Then again, though, then again, how long will it be before SmackDown once again, once again becomes the red-headed, ugly stepchild of Raw, you know? Um, we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope this is a turning point for SmackDown where it can become a viable... I mean, it really is a viable alternative for Raw to Raw, and it has been for years now. But I'm talking about how WWE portrays the show and presents the show. How do they treat it going forward? Will it be on the same level as Raw? Will it be treated with more respect and star power and attention you know, long-term, not just for the next month. I'm talking going forward. I just don't see that happening. It's the same old story I've heard so many times before. After 05, when they put Batista on SmackDown and, you know, they had the brand split. In 02, they said the same thing. 05, they were saying that. In 08, they were saying it. In 2010, when they moved to sci-fi. In the draft in 2016 and all these other points. Oh, SmackDown's going to be big. It's going to be big. We're moving to USA. It's going to be big. It's going to do this. It's going to be that. And It never fucking changes. So again, I really hope I'm wrong, and I really hope SmackDown can become a real, like a real equal show to Raw. Coming out of the Fox move, I'm just not holding my breath. Because I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I know Fox is a bigger network, like I said before. I don't think that'll do much to change Vince McMahon's perception of the blue brand. It'll forever be the step you know, sister, whatever, the one notch just below, maybe not quality-wise, but in terms of how they present it, right below Raw. No matter what, I just think that will forever be the case. And no matter how much better SmackDown gets than Raw, Raw will always be their number one. It will always be their top priority, regardless of what happens. Speaking of SmackDown, though, let's break down the final SmackDown on Tuesdays on USA from this past week. Overall, Overall, I thought it was a mediocre show, to be honest with you. I didn't really think they ended the SmackDown Tuesday night era on a bang. Um, They peaked early with the opening match. I thought Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan put together a really good match. Uh, Much much better than I thought they would, to be honest with you. Um, Just because it's Eric fucking Rowan. But I thought he held his own here very well. Daniel Bryan got the best match that he could out of him. They had the interference from Luke Harper, who, you know, protected Bryan in defeat by interfering and costing him the victory. Uh, Rowan went over decisively. Save for that one botch at the end there when Brian's foot got caught in the rope when Rowan got, you know, he did his finisher on Brian and his foot got caught in the top rope. Other than that one weird moment, I thought it was a good match. That was then followed up by Roman Reigns coming out making the save for Brian and those two agreeing to take the fight to Harper and Rowan next Sunday in a standard tag team match. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying, and I thought this as well for a while, but I, I've kind of given up on it by now 
that, oh, maybe Brian is still the mastermind behind all of this. They would really have to explain that away in order for that to make sense. Now, I know this company has done more than this that has made less sense in the past. I am well aware of that. This is pro wrestling. They can do whatever the fuck they want. It's not a matter of, oh, they can't do that. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's fucking WWE. Whatever they want to make sense, they will make it make sense, even if it's in their own minds, okay? Um, I still think that's a possibility. I honestly think it's more likely that either Brian remains a face, which he's a great face, but I feel like it's too soon for that. I feel like it's more likely that Brian turns on Roman on Sunday, but he's not aligned with Rowan and Harper. Like, if you wanted to go that route a few weeks ago, which is what I said initially, it would have made sense. But Brian has now been attacked by Rowan and Harper multiple times in the past couple of weeks. Like, two or three weeks ago he was, two weeks ago he was, or last week he was left lying by Rowan at the end of the show, and Harper, and Harper also laid him out. And then... They had a full-on match this week on SmackDown. Rowan and Brian had a full-on match on this week's SmackDown. How can you explain that, oh, Brian's been behind it the whole time? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess they could, but I feel like we're beyond that now. But um, anyway, though, I feel like it's a lot more likely that Brian turns on Roman Reigns, and that's what serves as the catalyst for a, Brian and, uh, for a Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns one-on-one feud. And then Rowan and Harper can go on and do their own thing. Um, so yeah, I, I honestly think I think I was thinking about oh probably Brian and Roman win, but they've done they've spent so much time in building up Eric Rowan as this big threat that I feel like they kind of have to have them win at the pay per view. I mean they they could always have them lose and have Harper get pinned by Roman Reigns. I feel like that's the safe route. They should have Brian go back to being a heel, turn on Roman. And then we get Brian and Roman in a one-on-one feud, which we have yet to get on SmackDown, uh, for the fall. That's what I want to say. Also on SmackDown, we had another sit-down interview, a lot like we had on Raw, like I said earlier, with Michael Cole and the WWE champion Kofi Kingston. I thought this was good. Um, Didn't make me that much more excited for the match next Friday than it was before. But I thought Kofi came across well. He hyped up the upcoming match with Brock Lesnar for that championship and brought up how he isn't afraid and how he's knocked off top-notch level talent so far during his reign, including Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, you name him, he's beaten them, which is pretty impressive. But uh, I don't think he's walking out of that match. Still the WWE Champion. Now, it is possible, like I said in hashtag AskGSM, it is possible that they could have the New Day interfere and they turn the New Day heel. Okay, they keep the belt on Kofi, the New Day are, heel, are heels again. They're very popular still, so I'm not sure if that would be the right, ta- the right route to take. But it would be something surprising, if nothing else, and no one would see it coming. Um, again, I know they have merchandise deals and book deals and shit like that, and they do a lot of Connor's Cure stuff. That's how I met Kofi and Biggie a couple weeks ago as a part of that Connor's Cure event at MetLife, or not MetLife, but uh, City Field, Met Stadium in New York a couple weeks ago. I feel like it would freshen things up, though. If they didn't want to put the belt on Brock, which I assume they are, um, just because Brock is advertised for a bunch of dates going into the Survivor Series. So it only makes sense for him to win the championship. And if he's not, then why would he... I don't know. I feel like it only makes sense for him to be on this show, um, for him to win on this show next Friday, and then to remain on SmackDown from that point forward. But anyway, um, yeah. I think they, they could turn New Day heel and have Kofi go heel and Brock be the babyface in that feud and he's chasing the championship, but... I would just get the I would, I would just get the championship change, the title change over here, 
Just get it over with on SmackDown. Um, I guess it would be the first WWE title change on SmackDown since... God, I don't know when. Um, have we had a WWE title change on SmackDown? Oh, yeah, we did a fucking year ago when Daniel Bryan won the belt from AJ Styles. How could I be so dumb? And then AJ beat Jinder for a year before that. So we've had a couple title changes on SmackDown in the past year with the WWE title, that is, um, which is pretty cool. But anyway, uh, I think the safer bet is Brock beating Kofi and becoming the new champion next Friday. I'll talk more about it on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday and the um, my predictions for the show, what I expect to happen and whatnot. But as of right now, that's my prediction for the uh, special event on Fox next Friday. Like I said earlier, Chad Gable knocked off Mike Kanellis in quick fashion on this show. Great to see. Um, Chad Gable showcases skills and get a real moment to shine. They're still making short jokes at his expense, which I think is dumb. Um, I think he's gradually getting over, but not because of the short jokes, but because he's shining in the ring, which is cool to see. Um, but yeah, more more television time for Chad Gable. I'm all for it. It's great to see. The Mike Canella shit is just terrible to me. But um, at least Chad Gable is winning matches. He's getting over. He's getting an opportunity to shine. I think that's all he could really ask for. And as for Mike Canellis, I mean, you know what? The guy's on TV. Because a year ago, he wasn't on anything. He went to 205 Live in late September, which was great. Beyond that, though, he wasn't doing jack shit in WWE. He wasn't on Raw. He wasn't on SmackDown. He was barely on Main Event. So the fact that he's on TV doing something is better than nothing, at least in his case. Uh, Banks and Bailey beat Carmella and Charlotte Flair in tag team action. Good match. Um, wasn't anything too special, but Carmella was really only involved in this thing so she can get pinned by Sasha or submit whatever. You know, I thought for a second they might be setting her up for a title shot against Bailey. Um, but obviously not, because that will be Charlotte and Bailey very likely next Sunday at Hell in the Cell. Shinsuke Nakamura knocked off Ali in a uh, very good match. They worked well together, but the only issue, again, is that it was a quick television match. And I'm kind of disappointed that it's not, you know, becoming a full-on feud between the two. Um, Ali, unless we are forgetting things here, and, you know, lest we forget, he did beat Nakamura in non-title action like two months ago on SmackDown. And that led to nothing. He never got a title shot. They just forgot all about it, and they have yet to bring it up here, too. I think Sammy brought it up on, um, like, in a backstage video on WWE.com, their YouTube channel, um, after SmackDown on Tuesday. He said, oh, yeah, Ali once beat Nakamura, but that was before he joined up with me, so it doesn't really count. I mean, I guess that's the most explanation that we've got for why Ali has yet to get a title shot, but he lost here, so I assume they're not doing a rematch of the pay-per-view. Knowing WWE, they'll have Ali beat Nakamura next week on SmackDown, and then that be it. No title shot, like Ali will go to Raw or something like that, you know, uh, which would be so dumb. But anyway, uh, good match, though. I enjoyed it for what it was. The New Day beat the B-team. It was a nothing match, standard squash for the New Day. It, this was really a filler show, you could tell, before the draft um, in two weeks and before they moved to Fox next week. Is they, don't have any, they don't have the slightest clue what they're doing with the New Day, Nakamura, uh, the Revival, a lot of these guys. The Kabuki Warriors beat Fire and Desire in a, in a fine match. There were some sloppy spots at a few different points, but overall the match was fine. The Kabuki Warriors finally getting back on track, which is good to see. Um, after being away from TV for months and months and months. They filled one of the tag titles back in August. Um, I think they were on SmackDown in, in July for a brief period. They got their title shot, and 
it just led nowhere. They they won by a count out, and then they were added to like a fatal four-way tag team title match in Raw, which they lost. I think they were eliminated last, I believe, by uh, um, who ended up winning the titles. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. That goes to show how little those titles mean if I don't even remember who the current champions are. Um, I guess this could set them up for a tag team title shot, either maybe not next week on the show. because No, I guess it could be next week. Or I, I would do it at the pay-per-view, to be honest with you, just because the pay-per-view needs more matches and they're doing a lot of the stuff on SmackDown next week. That's really the pay-per-view, is SmackDown next week. Because they're doing Kofi and Brock on that show and they're doing, you know, uh, the four horsewomen tag team match. They're doing Owens and, and Shane in the ladder match, which is what also happened on the show. So Kevin Owens was confronted by Shane and his lawyers. It's just a really boring segment that led to Kevin Owens proposing a ladder match next week on SmackDown, where if he wins, he will not only be reinstated to the WWE roster, but he will also be able to fire Shane once and for all. Shane will be gone from WWE, and he won't be back. But then again, they said the exact same thing about Shane two weeks ago, or uh, about Owens a week or two ago, and he was back the very next week. So this whole storyline's a fucking joke. Um, obviously getting fired in WWE in storyline means nothing because you're always back the very next week. So that's what I'm saying. I don't really know why I should take that stipulation seriously. And the match itself should be okay. Sheen and no one's in a ladder match. I, I mean, I guess. It's a good attraction for that show, but like, why should we take any of these departures and dismissals and these firings seriously if they never actually lead anywhere? You know, they're always back the very next week. So why the fuck should I care about Shane getting fired if I know he'll be back at some point, you know? It's kind of silly. But again, overall, SmackDown was a alright show. It was it was okay, but I wasn't blown away by it by any means. Um, it was, it was alright. It really served as a solid setup show for SmackDown's big premiere on Fox next Friday. And then real quick from 205 Live last night, um, or rather from Tuesday night, because I'm putting this up on Thursday, I'm recording it on Wednesday, that's why it's confusing to me when I talk. Uh, but yeah, 205 Live from Tuesday, we did kick off the show with a highlight reel of Leo Rush beating Oni Lorcan um, to become the new number one contender to the Cruiserweight Championship on last week's NXT. Leo Rush was not on the show, which I thought was weird. I don't know if he's going to be part of NXT or if they're merging 205 Live with NXT. No one knows what the fuck is going on with NXT, or rather with 205 Live. And that's the problem. Now, I've ranted about this before. I talked about it on Twitter. I ranted about it on... Uh, hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday. But the issue is, is that they gave no no inclination, no idea, no whatever, no announcement made whatsoever regarding the future of 205 Live. Where the fuck is it going? Is it staying on Tuesdays at 10? Are they taping it before or after, likely before Raw on Mondays and airing it on Tuesdays? Are they airing it after SmackDown still on Friday nights? Are they airing it before SmackDown? Are they going to air it from Full Sail, which is what I think they should do, and then just combine it with NXT either as an entire brand or just air it separately before NXT? Like, what the fuck is going on? We've had, we've heard so many different things about, oh, it's merging with NXT. Oh, they're closing the brand. Oh, they're still taping it after SmackDown. What the fuck is going on at 205 Live? I would love to know. A lot of people don't care. A lot of people stopped caring about the show a while ago when I get it, but... I still enjoy 205 Live. This week's show I thought was very good. Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza had an awesome match. They're legitimately cousins, which is cool. And obviously, for that reason, they have great chemistry together. The match itself was really, really good. Um, Carrillo did win. Hopefully, we get more of Garza on 205 Live in the future. 
And they had a very good main event, which I'll get to in a moment. But yeah, what the fuck is going on with 205 Live? Where is it going? Is it airing on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays? Are they getting rid of it altogether? I would love to know. Hopefully by the time this podcast goes up, this will be, you know, whatever, this, 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 um, this rant that I'm embarking on right now, this tirade that I'm going on at the moment, won't, you know, it'll render irrelevant if they announce, oh, 205 Live, moving to Fridays, whatever. But so far, as of this recording on Wednesday afternoon, they have given me no idea as to when the show will continue to air in the future, if it will continue to air at all, because there was no mention of it on, on Tuesday's show, because if you're a regular viewer of the show, and you don't stay attention, you don't pay attention to the dirt sheets and stuff like that. How the fuck would you know that 205 Live is moving to Fridays? No one would know. No one would have any idea. So again, like I said last week, like I said, um, you know, on hashtag AskGSM multiple times, move the show before full sale on Wednesdays. Tape it with NXT before NXT. Have it be live. Tape it after NXT. I'd rather watch the show at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday than 10 p.m. on a fucking Friday. It makes no sense. The crowd won't care. They'll, they'll, they'll care even less than they do now. So you might as well just move it to full sale where the crowd will actually give a shit about what they're watching. But anyway, as for the rest of Tuesday's show, um, after Carrillo beat um, Angel Garza in a really good match, we had another really good main event between Oni Lorcan and his longtime NXT tag team partner, hey, Danny Burch, and um, they faced the Cruiserweight champion Drew Gulak and Tony Nese in a uh, very good main event. I thought they worked well together, and it was Danny Burch pinning Tony Nese for the victory. So I don't know where that's going to lead. I don't know if Danny Burch will become a you know, a fixture on the brand going forward. I feel like he might as well. Um, Oni Lorcan, I don't think he's appeared in NXT in months because he's become more full-time recently on NXT, or rather 205 Live, so he has yet to appear on NXT. I mean, obviously he was on last week's show, but that's because, you know, it was part of the Cruiserweight Championship number one contenders match. Um, I would just put Danny Burch on 205 Live. If 205 Live remains a thing going forward, um, and, and unless they scrap the show, they might as well just put them together on 205 Live. I don't see why not, because he's not going to do anything on his own on NXT. And if Oni Lorcan won't be on NXT anymore going forward, he might as well just be on fucking... You know, 205 Live with Oni. I thought they were, you know, they're a great tag team. They had great matches over in NXT with the Street Profits, with the Undisputed Era, um, and a few other tag teams, TM61. So they might as well just remain on 205 Live together. That's my idea. Um, where do you go with this, though, in the Cruiserweight Championship picture? So they have Leo Rush as the number one contender. Oni Lorcan is clearly still in the mix. Um, and he's already, he's already lost to Gulak twice, so I don't know why they would go back to him as a number one contender. Uh, I guess they could do a three-way with Lorcan and... Um, Lorcan and Leo Rush, but I would rather just see it be, I'd rather it just be Gulak and Leo Rush one-on-one. So maybe they do the match at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view on the kickoff, or they do it on an episode of NXT. Again, I would just merge 205 Live, the Cruiserweight division, with NXT, or just air it live on Wednesdays, because then you can have that crossover. You can have a people, you can have people appear on both brands at the same time, because it'll be taped at the same arena, you know? Um, maybe not airing in the same place, like 205 Live would be on the network, and then NXT would be on USA Network, but whatever, who cares? They do that anyway with SmackDown. SmackDown airs on USA on, you know, or did anyway on Tuesdays, and then uh, 205 Live would follow it, but it would be on the network, you know? It makes more sense that way, just because you can promote um, 205 Live throughout SmackDown. They don't really do that now, but they should do that with NXT if they put it after NXT on Wednesdays, but... Yeah, Leo Rush and Drew Gulak it will be happening soon for that Cruiserweight Championship. 
Looking forward to it. Should be a great match. And uh, hopefully it gets added to the Hell in a Cell, either Hell in a Cell kickoff show or happens on an episode of NXT coming up or even 205 Live. I guess we'll find out in due time. But that's going to do it, guys, for today's edition of WrestleRant Radio. Thank you, as always, for checking out the show. Greatly appreciate it. Be sure to check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday on NextAirWrestling.net, also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Podbean. We're all over the place. So subscribe today, rate the show, review the show, and check out new episodes every single Thursday. In addition, all the archived episodes dating back to the show's debut in October of 2013. As for me, find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and on YouTube as well, YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash GramGSMMatthews. So, big episode coming up next Thursday. I will try to record it on Thursday afternoon so I can review the AEW debut on TNT. I can record my review of Raw and of NXT. And then we can also preview the, Smack- <coughs> excuse me, preview the SmackDown on Fox that Friday, the uh, SmackDown premiere on Fox, and then also give my predictions for Hell in the Cell that Sunday. Assuming they add more matches, because as of right now, my predictions would take all of 90 seconds, because they have three matches advertised for the fucking pay-per-view, which is crazy. I think they have more stuff advertised for that SmackDown premiere on Fox than they do the actual pay-per-view two days later. It's poor timing, that's their fault, but hopefully um, it turns out to be a good show. Anyway, guys, have an awesome rest of your week slash weekend. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Oh,